it's sort of contrary to true constitutional thought. You know, you should have the right to a jury trial. You should have the right to participate in a mass action, even if it's in an arbitration. And they've supported that. The Supreme Court supported that. So now 12 years later, you've got even a more conservative Supreme Court. Hey, this is Sean Kernakin, and you're tuned into Civil Action. This is the podcast of Cabotech LLP. We're a firm in downtown LA that does a lot of different work on the plaintiff side. And we put this podcast on so we can share with you what we are learning about the law. Our weekly podcast is dedicated to important topics for lawyers and issues in the law. We have guests. We talk about recent cases. We talk about trends. We talk about practice areas. We try to help people be better lawyers and learn about the law. In some ways, you can look at this as a 15 to 20 minute law school class each week. Welcome back to Civil Action with Brian Kapitek and uh, Shant Karnikian. Shant, say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. Very well done. So we're off to a great start. Today, we're going to talk about the United States Supreme Court. We're recording this in very early July 2022 after the last sort of earth-shaking term of the United States Supreme Court. And I think we wanted to talk generally, not so much about the specifics of the cases that came down this term, but more or less what we think is going on. And, And we're not talking about the hot button political issues such as abortion or gun, Second Amendment gun issues, gun rights, but more it affects lawyers in the civil arena. Yeah. And one of one of the things that I think we should talk about and Brian and I had often discussed is the motivation behind corporations supporting the right in terms of the political agenda. I've always wondered, you know, and I think I know the answer. It's a rhetorical question, but is it these social issues that's driving that? And there's no way it is, you know, there's no way that they would want conservative justices in the Supreme Court because of things like gun rights and and abortion issues. No, because I don't think corporate America cares about those issues. I don't think, in fact, I think the truth is that particularly when it comes to abortion and women's right or gay rights, is that most corporations take a socially progressive view on those kinds of issues because of the public and who works there. And I mean, Disney is a perfect example of that. Disney is a button down white shoe corporation. But when it came to the gay rights issue in Florida, you know, they were definitely left to center. But yeah, corporations. And it's kind of profitable for them to take that position, too. You know, they, they, they benefit from it, of course. True. I don't. Yeah, it's not it's not necessarily from an altruistic point. Yeah. Of view, right. Yeah. But corporations are in their own way, they see that the way to pack a court with conservative justices is to certainly support those kind of justices that support those issues that are darlings of the right. Because they, the, the same justices that are on that side of the spectrum when it comes to social issues are also on that side of the spectrum when it comes to consumer protection issues. Right. right. And I, I, I don't think that those justices necessarily feel in their mind or in their heart that they're, you know, 100 percent behind something like abortion rights. But they also are riding the gravy train. You know, that's an issue which will get them appointed. And then once appointed, they can pursue this sort of pro-business agenda that the Supreme Court has. And, and it's sort of the same connection there with the corporations aren't necessarily fans of, like you said, they're not they're not necessarily fans of the socially conservative view of things, but the same socially conservative 
politicians and then justices across the government, uh, whatever office we're talking about, those same people or the people that have those viewpoints are going to benefit them at some point, right? That's why you have decisions coming down like the recent PAGA decision that came down that didn't completely gut PAGA, the Viking River Cruises decision, but it was certainly leaning anti-employee, anti-consumer, right? Well, right. I mean, I think that if you let, let's just go back to about 12 years ago when the Concepcion decision came down, which is the one that validated a 1920s act called the Federal Arbitration Act and said that it was mandatory and enforced on the states that if you enter into an arbitration agreement, state law makes no difference. It doesn't matter what the state says. And there are very few exceptions to it. You can be forced into binding arbitration which in my mind is a direct attack on the right to trial, right? Seventh Amendment right to trial. And then you look at the next case that came down, which dealt with the ability that an employee or a person could be forced to waive their rights to participate in a class action. Class action waivers, yeah. Class action waivers. And it's sort of contrary to true constitutional thought. You know, you should have the right to a jury trial. You should have the right to participate in a mass action, even if it's in an arbitration. And they've supported that. The Supreme Court supported that. So now 12 years later, you've got even a more conservative Supreme Court, right? So it doesn't look like it's going to go back. And if you look at some of the other business, pro-business decisions, decision that came out this term on the EPA and federal government and enforcement of federal government, these are very pro-business decisions. Yeah, they're not necessarily... I mean, they are pro-conservative, but the goal behind it, the goal behind the corporations sort of supporting the conservatives isn't because of the social aspect of it. It's because they're, these are pro-business decisions. And it's quite well, I mean, there's always been, agenda. look, I've been a lawyer for over 30 years. And before that, I worked in law firms and was a law clerk. And, and so I've been doing this for well over 40 years at this point in my life. And, and you see this trend, and here's how it kind of works, is that lawyers find ways to enforce rights of people that hadn't been thought of before. And then business responds to that and says, well, that makes it more expensive for us to be in business. So we have to find a way around that. And then their good, smart lawyers start attacking it. And sometimes they're highly successful. I mean, I can think of one example they weren't successful in, which was complete preemption by the federal government. So a for example there would be the federal government approves an automobile and signs off on it as being, you know, highway safe or whatever. Right. What they would like is immunity as a result of that. If it was approved by the federal government, there's immunity. Well, the court didn't go that far. They've gone far. They've gone in certain directions on medical devices, for example, that certain FDA approval medical devices grants immunity, but it's very narrow today. It's very narrow. But that's what they're they're moving towards more and more is federalizing sort of tort law, right? There's yeah. moves up right now in Congress to um, deal with privacy, which sounds good on its surface, but they want to federalize privacy rights. And, and that so- that's going to erode consumer protections, right? It's going to erode, especially if it takes it out of the state's hands, it federalizes, federalizes it, like you said. That's going to erode protections. Well, and I worry about this, the CPA decision because we start looking at this stuff and we get more and more decisions that look like federal rules can apply, which is kind of ironic because you look at the abortion issue, they're, they're handing it back to the states. But on some of these business issues, they're grabbing it for the federal government and they're saying the federal government is going to you know, regulate these issues. They may want to take some of this away from the states. I mean, you know, let's not laugh about the notion of mandatory caps on damages. Right now, we'd say that, you know, that should be left up to the states, but 
who's to say that that the Supreme Court in the future doesn't say that that's perfectly permissible for Congress to enact that? There's been talk about that with a national, like a national medical cap on damages. Yeah, and national medical malpractice law that would then cap damages on medical malpractice cases that could supersede the states. Yeah, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. It and, should be terrifying. And it and should it, be. Yeah, it's it, it's sort of ironic because the old kind of not to keep bashing on conservatives here, but that's sort of the other side of. Well, I know where you're going. And it's duplicitous. Because if the whole notion of a true conservative is states rights. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and as I said, with the abortion, and then you want to take stuff away from the states and say, well, we're going to federalize this. That's that's more federal legislation. That's that's the federal government. You know, that's the opposite of the, the notion of federalism, that we're a federation of states and the states should come up with their own their own rules. And so, agendas. We, so Sean, we have this weird makeup of the United States Supreme Court right now. Right. I mean, you have six justices that were appointed by the Supreme Court. Justice Roberts seems to be more intellectually honest than some of the conservatives, because you see him more often than not taking a moderate position. I won't say siding with the liberals, but taking a more moderate position. But then you have several there which are true conservatives. You've got Clarence Thomas, who, I mean, you know, someone could make a movie about how that man's brain works. <laughs> and but you look at this and you say, well, what are these what are they going to do? What direction are they going to move in? More conservative, right? I mean, more pro-business. Forget the conservative liberal side, forget the social. I mean, don't forget the social issues, the social issues. We don't mean to discount them, by the way, but we're our focus here is more on the consumer protection aspect and, and the, how this impacts plaintiff lawyers and what we do in the demographic that we try to serve and protect. But putting aside the social issues for a second, it seems like it's going to move in a more pro-business direction. And I'm wondering if you have a proposed solution or what you think a way would be to ensure that that doesn't happen or it's reined in to some degree. Well, I don't know if there is a way. I mean, I have zero influence with the United States Supreme Court, in case you didn't know. No, I'm not asking what you're going to do about this. If you're going to talk I to I don't them, think I'm, I'm on the short list. You, well, maybe like if get... Thomas, if Thomas resigned or something like that, would they look at me to be on the Supreme Court? Do you think, Sean? Maybe. Would Joe Biden call you and go, Brian, what are you up to? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, probably not. He's kidding. He is not on the short list. You might want people to think he is, but no, Brian's not on the short list for the Supreme Court. But no, I, what I mean is, is it getting politics out of money? Is it Citizens United? Well, right there. I mean, that's a perfect yeah. example of what we're talking about with the Supreme Court, right? Yeah. Citizens United is a perfect example of that, that a corporation somehow is a citizen and that they can give unlimited amounts of money. I mean, that's bizarre, but yeah. that's that's the state of affairs right now. Look, when I went to law school, we talked about the Carolina products case and famous footnote four from, I guess- from the 20s or 30s, and uh, how the, there was this economic due process rights, which trumped privacy. And, you know, I went to law school 30 some years ago, and we thought that that was bad, and that the court had changed. I mean, now I think it's, it's worse when it comes to economic protection than it's ever been. And I mean, I think that's the core thing we're talking about in shot today is the economic protection doctrine of the United States Supreme Court. Money and politics. Yeah. Money, politics, but a court which seems and you know various circuits around the country which seem intent on protecting businesses over the individuals and the safety of individuals and i'm not going to get on a soapbox and talk about how the tort law benefits people in the united states i think that that people have listened to this kind of have a general understanding of that but i think that it's a juggernaut and i don't know if there's a solution do you have any solution sean no i don't i'm sorry i'm very i don't have a lot to contribute to this well, I Terrible. think that, well, <laughs> unusual, huh? And 
I think that if I could take a minute here to sort of criticize the Democratic Party, which has, in some respects, gotten itself into this fine mess, it's, I think, and there's a number of articles that's been written around about this recently. It isn't just me. Yeah, how do we get here? I think I know what you're going to talk about. You, you might have mentioned this to me before. It, you know, this is this is kind of my working theory right now. And, and there are articles that have said this, a fabulous one in the New Yorker, about how the Democratic Party has seemed to have lost touch with working class America. And what they refer to as the limousine liberals and, and the elites, and that the party has designed itself to appeal to college-educated people people of all colors, but college educated people has lost touch with a lot of the reality here. And it's the same thing as, you know, without accepting the fact that the, the loss in the election to, to Hillary Clinton in 2016 was the fault of the Democrats, not entirely the doctrine that, that Donald Trump was selling. So it was it was a two way street. Right. Yeah. And also, I, I think on the other side of the aisle, I think the, the conservatives or the Republicans have very methodically but slowly been able to sort of push their agenda and been able to, to make small incremental changes, not radical changes. And I think contrast that with what you were just saying about the, the Democratic side losing touch with sort of working class people. And you have Democrats, the power dynamic changing. The, the, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party wants it and wants it now. And the Republicans have been patient over 40 some years predating Reagan to look and have a, and come up with an agenda of exactly how they were moving in the direction of creating the government yeah. they wanted to create. And it's it when the Democrats continue to push on issues that most people in America don't call, care about, they lose people in the middle of the United States. Yeah, the big cities, they get it. They understand it. And they, they get it for a number of reasons. But it's a complex issue. But that's how I think we've ended up with the court we've ended up with. And it's a tough balance to strike now because – as a party, you want to have something to get people to rally around, but then at the same time, you end up with things like losing touch with some of your base or your former base. Now, yeah, look, if I were if I were in charge of the Democratic Party, which as that's as likely to happen as me being appointed to the Supreme On Court, the Supreme if Court, I were yeah. in charge of the Democratic <laughs> Party, one thing I would start doing immediately is a massive campaign to expose the real Republicans. You know, the the Koch brothers and people like that who are moneyed interests, who are funding the party for the purpose of their own agenda at the expense of working class America. Most people in America, what do most people get up in America and want? I mean, not you, Sean, because I know you want Captain Crunch. Yeah. And video games and And video video games. games. Right. They want to sit down, play video games. And most people in America get up every day and they want their kids taken care of. They want them to go to a good, safe school. They want them to go and be and feel that they're protected and safe. They want to feel like I have a good job. And that's what most people want. They don't care about, they really, truly don't care about the gun issue other than they want to be safe. And they truly don't care about some guy's name on a building who died 150 years ago because he did something horrible in his life. They really don't care about those things. Yeah. They're, they're well, we're getting kind of, of far afield, but, you know, yeah. it, no, it no, does no, all but, play but into this. I think that's, that's a valid concern. And I, I think people need to keep that in mind. And Keeping sight of that is an important way. I know that, for example, what you were saying about what you'd do if you were head of the Democratic Party, God help us if that happened. But if you were head of the Democratic Party, what you do is kind of expose the money that's in the politics. And I know that on a state level, in my work with you and our work with lobbying for the trial lawyers and for consumers in California, I know that every time some sort of stupid initiative comes up from the right, you know, trying to cap lawyers fees or, or things like that the best offensive you could put on if you're opposing that stuff is exposing who's behind it saying who's funding this 
who's funding this? And as I will say the, the consumer attorneys that, did that this year. They yeah. really did a good job of that. Yeah. Yeah. Exposing I mean, who, who was behind it. Who, when, when, when you see who's behind it, I mean, it, it really go, it really goes to show who's doing it and what's happening and what's motivating it. And I think you're right on a national level, on a party wide level, maybe that is the right strategy. And that would provide protections to consumers and working class Americans and, and well, keep but, us from having generations of pro business Supreme courts. So pulling this back right to the Supreme court here, one issue, the solution, and one issue would be to have the Democrats retain control, which seems to be, you know, highly unlikely, but to retain control because they could enter into and issue laws and acts that would affect people and protect consumer rights. And the other is that Clarence Thomas retires or something like that, you know, and I think both of those are highly unlikely. So <laughs> I hate to be doom and gloom, but I, I yeah. really see the future here as pretty precarious, yeah. You know, if you got one more Democrat appointed justice on the United States Supreme Court and you had Roberts, who seems to be more of a fair and honest broker, moderate, yeah, uh, I think a lot of these issues wouldn't you know, get past it. But I, I'm truly in concern and in fear for not just myself, but consumers and the public and future generations and future that. generations and future generations of lawyers, too, because mm-hmm. Sean thinks I'm like 95 and I could go any day. But, you know, people like Sean are going to have another 30 or 40 years of their law practice. Well, based on what I pay, Sean, he'll be working up until the day he dies for right? the rest of my life. Yeah. For until my dying days. Yeah. No, Sean's um, actually a partner at our firm. We're very proud of him. He's doing a great job. And that's nice of you to say. And, and I hope if Clarence Thomas does retire, maybe you can replace him. So here's to hoping. I've got my phone right here in my hand, and I'm waiting for a phone call. Keep waiting. Keep waiting. That's all I can say. Good note to end on. Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in. If you want to give us your feedback on this, find us online on social media, wherever you listen to the podcast, check out our other episodes. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you for those that tune in and for those that reach out. Hey, thank you for listening today. We really appreciate it. This is Brian Kabatek. You can reach me at BSK at kbklawyers.com. And I'm Sean Kernick, and you can find me online at sk at kbklawyers.com. And as you might have guessed, our website is kbklawyers.com. You could find us on all social media platforms at Cabotech LLP. We like putting on the show. We appreciate you listening. If you can go online and like us, give us ratings, follow us on all the different platforms. If you know someone that practices in a particular area and you you think they might find this useful, feel free to share it with them and feel free to reach out to us. If you have any questions, if you want to bring an interesting case to our attention, you have a potential case you want advice on from us, we'd be happy to help you out if we can. And we'd love to hear from you. 